Our good friends at Johnny O welcome you to this episode. And if you've listened to Rich Take on Sports, then you know two things are important. Sharing the impact of sports in people's lives and the Johnny O clothing brand, blending those East Coast classic styles with a SoCal vibe. I've been wearing Johnny O for several years, and now you can as well with 20% off your first order by using the promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com. Live your best life with the Johnny O style and use promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives here's your host this is episode 140 thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen today the most successful leaders know that culture is more than just a buzzword it's a differentiator that can set your team or organization apart And Ben Boulware has seen firsthand how culture not only creates community, but how it can also create winning organizations and championships. From Anderson, South Carolina, Ben would make the short trek to play football at Clemson University, where he would be named first-team All-ACC linebacker in 2016. He would win the Jack Lambert Award for Best Linebacker in the Nation and would help lead Clemson to the national championship, defeating Alabama in the 2017 college football playoff national championship game where he was also named the defensive MVP. You can now find Ben building a community and culture in both Anderson and Greenville, South Carolina with the Junkyard co-founder Marcus Brown and their quest to provide an innovative, high-intensity, results-driven training facility and regimen that inspires not only a fit body, but also a healthy mind. Our conversation with Ben Boulware. Ben, howdy, howdy. How are you doing, Mr. Rich? Thank you, sir, man. I, I love this. We're here. Junkyard We're here. Fitness, right? Junkyard of Greenville. And people say the Junkyard of Fitness. Junkyard Fitness. Yeah, Our so Instagram says the Junkyard Fitness because we had to. The, the, the Junkyard, if we wanted to buy that, it was like $5,000. So I was like, just put fitness inside of it. And it was like five bucks. <laughs> so our Instagram says the Junkyard Fitness. It's just the Junkyard. Um, so we're here at our Junkyard of Greenville. Have a location in Anderson. Folks over there holding it down. We're currently in Greenville, South Carolina. I love it. So you're in the middle of the grind right now, aren't I you? I have been here since 4.30 this morning. I was here at 4.30 <laughs> yesterday morning. I didn't leave till probably 8 o'clock last night. I'll be leaving at 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, so this is the grind of owning a small business. So for all the small business owners out there, you know exactly what I'm saying. Yes. I mean, this is it. I mean, this yeah. is real life, real world, all of that. Junkyard. Give me the why the name Junkyard. So we first started doing this in 2018. We, were come up, we came up with the idea of doing all the workouts to the music. We created a software that we have a patent on. I make sure I'll let everyone know we have a patent on that thing. Uh, that we can, it's kind of like Junkyard Guitar Hero. So I can't really, it's hard to, it's, hard, it's better to explain with a visual. This being a podcast, I obviously don't have the, the liberty of that. But we do all the workouts to music here. 
And so we came up with the idea of it in 2018. I was trying to figure out a good name. And actually, Dorian O'Daniel thought of the name. We had a group text, and I was texting him, like, name ideas. And he's like, you should name it The Junkyard. Because my nickname at Clemson, uh, shout out to Clemson Tom, gave me was uh, The Junkyard Dog. Oh, yeah. That so fits that for was, you. Yeah, so The Junkyard Dog was my nickname at Clemson. And I just figured The Junkyard would be a cool name. Because usually both of our buildings on the outside, Anderson, it's like an old brick building. And here it's like an old mill that we've renovated. But it's cool because it's a good balance of modern and rustic. So the outside looks rustic, the junkyard, and you walk in and it's, it's the high-end studio. We put some, some good work into it. I've spent all the money I have on these two gyms. <laughs> so I put my blood, sweat, and tears in both of these. But so it's a good balance. But the junkyard came from my, my nickname at Clemson. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't put the dog in there because I feel like that's too cliche. So I added a bull for bull wear. I like that. Yeah. How much of... I guess your time at Clemson, how much did that shape you in terms of now who you are and being an entrepreneur? It completely changed me, mainly because of Coach Venables. Coach V is probably one of the, him and Coach Sweeney, but from I dealt with Coach V more, probably one of the greatest leaders I've ever had, had in my life ever. Besides my parents, Coach V is like a father figure to me, and the uh, lessons he taught me about hard work and got to just put your head down and just get after every single day especially with me being a six foot white guy wasn't blessed athletically and he kind of came from the same background he's a short white guy playing at, at Kansas State so he had to do the same thing when he was in college and just learning from him that you got to go to work and got to do it every day and I had success at Clemson because of that nothing fancy just working and that transitions over to the business world because it's the same thing. There's long, especially with small business and opening a gym, there's just long hours. And regardless if it's a gym or not, owning your own business is long hours. So I'm two years in now, and the man hours I put into this thing can't even count. But, but how much pride do you have? Oh, uh, these are my babies. Yes, Yeah, right? these are my, my babies. Me and my partner, small partner Marcus Brown so he's an owner here as well played at Clemson played at Newberry and we have built this thing from the ground up so it's cool because we're not some obviously not some big corporation there's just two locations but we have literally built this thing from the ground up we we truly started from the bottom it's cool because we first started in the fall or the um January 2018 we started just creating the product building a clientele we started at Teal Hannah's gym my old high school with three people. The three people were me, Marcus, and my little sister. That's the three that started. And within a week, went to another location in downtown Anderson. We were like 20, 30 people. We're there for a month, went to another location, a pre-opening location in downtown. Grew to like 70, 80 members, just pre-opening. We were doing free classes for four months. Weren't charged because the product, it was a good product. We weren't in our real building. So just like wasn't we, we couldn't make people charge for that. And we wanted to build a good client list and, and build a good reputation and show people what we had to offer. So we did free classes for four months. We, four months? Four months. And you could tip if you wanted to. We, I had a, a jar. You can tip five bucks or you can give us a music suggestion because we did all the workouts to music. So I know if you have any good music ideas, let me know. So it's either five bucks if you want to tip <laughs> or music give us some music so what, what was the ratio did you get more music suggestions uh, or tips music. yeah a lot more music <laughs> so we did that for four months with a round we grew to like maybe 50 to 60 people and then 
Were you surprised that that you were getting this gathering? Oh, that, well, that's a, a, not a lot of people. And, uh, yeah, but it, just I think was, about you're starting yeah, from nothing. I was stoked to have. Remember that it's nothing. Exactly. And you're building yes, I was this. stoked to have the fifty to sixty, and a lot of them are still members, which is super cool. So the first month we opened up June fourth, twenty eighteen. Within a month, we had two hundred members, and we're around five hundred members in Anderson consistently. And Greenville's continuous continuing to grow, but it has been a grind. Yeah. We started out with three, and the three weren't even three people. Me, Marcus, my sister, <laughs> to now having close to six hundred members between Anderson Greenville. It's, it's pretty cool. How hard is that for you to be patient? Because you seem like um, when you're in it, you're yeah, running hundred miles per hour. I'm an aggressive person. I what I want, I will put my head down and go get it. I don't, I don't care what the obstacle is. If I make my mind up, I'm I'm getting it. So, but now you got to be patient, though, right? So it's you got to build this a certain way. We're continuing to grow, but I still have to be patient because I wanted to obviously continue to grow the business, and we know we have a good product, and we know what we have is different. We know the culture we've created is different. We know we have a really cool community, and the people are here just normal folk, and having that mindset of just hey, this is where normal people want to get a good freaking workout in. And do it all to some good music, and just having that mindset to say it just takes time. Build a client list, build reputation, or build our relationships because that's the main thing that have kept our Anderson people coming along because we're always there. And a lot of them, I wouldn't even consider clients. We're just friends, friends of family. You know, we um, that's community. Yeah, and that was my one of my main goals was to create a, a great culture and a great community that don't even care about the workouts. They just come back because the people. And the relationships they built. So we've done that in Anderson. Anderson folk are awesome. They're all lunatics. Those people, <laughs> Anderson folk are crazy. And I'm one of them because I'm born and raised in Anderson. Those people work. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like a good old Anderson person. Them, they get after it. So we're trying to bring this to Greenville, and we're growing every single day, and we're hopefully build. We call them junkies. So you know obviously what a junkie is yes our junkyard junkies are just addicted to to this so like call them junkies continuing uh, to build our you're the lead junkie yeah i'm freaking <laughs> me and me and marcus are our top top junkies but uh trying to build, build grow the family pretty much and it's yeah. it's taking time two years in we're continuing to grow but what was it like then you mentioned family and you, you've said it several times the bullware family growing up it was just tough. what was that like? Yeah, so it's me, my parents, my older brother played baseball at Clemson. Little sister is a year younger than me. She played sports. I have a little brother who's autistic, who's just baller. He's the man. Uh, but my my dad grew up racing motocross. So growing up, we didn't play football, play baseball, enough that we raced motocross. So did that until probably about middle school. I got hurt, I broke my arm pretty bad. And my mom was just like, yo, you are done playing. Are done racing. Let's go to a safer sport and play football. So <laughs> safer sport. Yeah, safer well, I guess sport. relative to motocross, yeah, it is safer. Motocross was tough, but I, I that's like my. Did you love it though? Love, Did you love I motocross? still ride probably once a year. It's like riding a bike for me. I grew up doing it, so I can hop on a bike and, and ride. It's still I, I love it. It's fun. So my kids will definitely race motocross at least initially. Until yeah, they, I grew up on a dirt bike as well. Love and it. loved it. Yes, uh, I, if I could do it more, I would. So we grew up in a, a, a dirt bike background, our whole family race. So we, had, we were homeschooled. So me and my brother and like six of my cousins all 
all race. We traveled every weekend. We were homeschooled strictly because of motocross. Like we needed the time to practice. We like we were pretty pretty legit. Like we traveled every weekend. We're sponsored. Like that was what we were going to do growing up, and that was what we like our career. We, we were into it. And then I broke my arm so bad. Now I was out for like two years because it got infected. It was just messed up. And went to football. My brother played football and baseball. And the bull warehouse household was, was tough. We are neighbors. When you, when you say tough, what do you mean tough? And really Why do you say me tough? And, and Garrett and uh, Bailey was is a tough cookie too. But a lot of our neighbors were would bring their kids over and they wouldn't come back again. Basically, we played backyard <laughs> football, tackled the man with the football on the trampoline. Played wiffle ball in the yard. We were always outdoors, which is freaking this new generation always on their phones, playing Xbox, all that stuff. I was like, Yo, get outside, like, get dirty. That's all we did growing up. And we just, me and Gary were just tough. Just, we were rough kids. I don't know. We were, we were good kids. We just, every day outside, wouldn't go into the house until 10 o'clock, dirty from playing sports all day. And then me and, me and Gary being, Two years apart, me and Bailey being a year apart, Cameron's a year younger than her, all being close in age, and then the rest of our extended family, there's like six more dudes who are all our age, all played sports, raced motocross, played football, baseball. So you, you know how it is. It's just all dudes that are the same age. <laughs> is everybody a little crazy? Oh, the bolts and bullwares. So it's our size of the bullwares, and my mom's side of the family is all bolts, and they're the same. Like we're all just sports guys, and – our childhood was awesome. So it was a, it was a great upbringing. Our childhood was great, but we were we were rough kids. So a lot of families didn't want them to hang out. With. Their kids hanging out with us. <laughs> they get beat up. Yeah, we, we get roughed up. up I should say. They would get roughed up for roughed sure. Up, yeah. Yes, but I, I, yeah, I want William bring the fight thing. They would get roughed up for sure. Yeah. So competition was just something that life. you grew up just born into. Right, I mean, you just yeah. knew competition. You mean immediately. my older brother. When it came to, to motocross, football, baseball, we would it'd be, it'd be fun. it was fun. Yeah. Now, well, did you guys actually ever nice have way. any fights? Me and Garrett I mean, true never, knockdown. No, me and Garrett fights. never got in a fight, surprisingly. And Garrett's a big Garrett's six two, two fifteen. He's not a small dude, and I'm six foot two forty five. So, like, if we got in fights, we were bringing the house down. And we surprisingly never got in a fist. We'd we'd wrestle and get close, but. I've never, me or Garrett has never punched the other in the face. Well, that's, that's a good that, thing. That's a quote right there. <laughs> me or have never punched the other in the face. We have uh, issued some some good lickings to other, other people, but me and Garrett have never fought each other. We've gotten some heated arguments, but surprisingly, we've never gotten a fight ever, which is crazy. Think about me and him have gotten some fights with other people, though. That's fun. <laughs> Back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, back you, in the day when you, it was you, it was okay. You've you've calmed down a little bit now, yeah, right? I'm much uh, more calm person, yeah. more relaxed. What was the transition like for you then? You loved motocross so much, but knew that you because of the injury and having to find another outlet was right. that tough for you to? Well, I was young, so I really didn't. I, I obviously loved motocross, but I was out of the game for literally almost two years because my arm was just messed up so bad that not, you didn't forget about it, but it just like. It scared me because I was had a cast, had an IV in. Like the IV was really, I was scar. So with the IV, would I had to go to my heart because I got when I broke my arm, bone came through, dirt got all in my arm, got infected. They almost had to cut my arm off. So it was bad. So like it scared me as a freaking nine year old. Like I got to, I got to find something else. <laughs> so yes, of course. I obviously still missed it, but 
find the avenue with, with football and baseball. And I wrestled two years were fun, so I, I kind of filled the void. What drew you to football, though, ultimately? Probably the aggressiveness, honestly. Like I'm, a, I'm a, an aggressive person, and being able to just be a lunatic and not get in trouble for it, you know? And I don't know, that's probably it. Just like I enjoyed hitting people, running around, losing my mind, and not getting in trouble for it. Now, now I, I like baseball. So I had a chance to play baseball at Clemson as well. I was I could have played both and brought it up to Coach Sweeney and just not even me pick, but just realize hey, you're not gonna have, have all the time. So I kinda had to pick between both between one or the other and I was, I was gonna do gonna do football because I enjoy football more and yeah, baseball doesn't – you seem like a football I enjoyed, player. I enjoyed baseball, but it was a little too calm for me. Like I, yes. It was fun, and I was, like, decent at it, but I, football was my thing. Like I'm, a, I'm a football guy. What was the transition like then also from high school to Clemson? And, you know, now, I mean, it, it's a different level. Right, it is. The, the biggest difference would be obviously the talent and the preparation. So, obviously, everyone, everyone's good once you get to Clemson. But you, you're always, like, just fed that information. So, you already expect, like, right, everyone's going to be Heisman level. Like, always been Tracy. Everyone's good. Like, even at Clemson, everyone's good. But it's like they, they boosted that a little bit. Like, and you, we played against good competition in high school. There's good athletes there. There's obviously better athletes at Clemson or at any college. The biggest, prep, biggest change for me was the amount of preparation it took to be elite. Just because in Hannah, I didn't – we had like two defenses. Like it was just you're playing ball. It was black backyard football. When you're in, in college, it's a business. Like you're breaking down the X's and O's every single day. So and film study was brand no, new to you? brand new. I had no clue how to watch film. I didn't know how to study anything. Um, like I had an idea of like obviously who's who, the, the three technique, the six, the nine, stuff like that. But – like defenses, like cover three, cover four, man, blitzes. That was like Chinese. Yeah. So, Did you have somebody that mentored you when you first got there, another player? Uh, Coach V. Coach V rode me. It, I promise you, if you ask Coach Venables, he was more hard on me in my career than any of his other players. Why do you I think know. that? He, ask him. I don't know why. <laughs> hey, I ask him. He'll probably, no, nah, no, nah, I'm all hard on If he knows deep down. He's told me before that he is more hard on me, mainly my freshman and sophomore year. I almost quit. I almost quit. I, I tried to quit my sophomore why, year. Why? Because he was so hard on me. I was. I was. I hated it. I was miserable. I wasn't playing. Freshman year, I expected. I was. We got into it a lot because I thought I was a know it all. I thought I should be playing, but I had Stefan, Shuey in front of me, Quandin, who obviously were better players than me. And but I'm just a 18 year old. Not I didn't know what I didn't know. So I didn't play a lot my freshman year. Sophomore comes around. I'm starting to learn the system, and I felt like I should be playing more. And I wasn't. I was only I split time my sophomore year. But the first like two or three games, I didn't really play at all. I don't think I don't remember who we played. But I didn't play a lot, and it pissed me off. I was max. I'm like I'm, I've done my time. I put in the work. I need to be like I should be playing. Like I've played one well practice. I've I've proven that I'm capable of playing at this level, and he wouldn't put me in. 
and it made me so mad. And we kept getting into it just because I was just an idiot. I shouldn't even – like I didn't – I just obviously was, thought I knew it all and I still didn't. But <laughs> a little it, immature. I was very immature for sure. And I remember – I think it was – I can't remember. It was before the Louisville – the because the Louisville game my sophomore year was the first game I started. Yep. So it was like Monday. It was a Monday of the Louisville week, my sophomore year. And he he put me in at practice with the ones and put me in one play. And I think I messed up or something. And he yanked me out. Like my first – looked like my first play ever with the ones. And I did something wrong. I don't even think it was that big, but I messed it up, yanked me out. Didn't play the rest of practice. So as from a confidence level, I'm just like – I'm terrified. I'm on pins and needles. Like, if I mess up at all, I just get yanked out after one play. And by that point, I was like, still in playing. So I was just like, screw it. I'm done. I don't care. So after practice, pulled him aside. I'm like, I'm hanging the cleats up. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm done. I'm miserable. I don't enjoy football anymore. I don't like you. You pissed me off. So I'm quitting. He laughed at me. <laughs> Literally laughed at me. And so I start crying. So I'm like, this dude is not taking me serious at all. I'm crying like a little baby. And he's like, shut up. You're not quitting. And I'm like, I'm serious. I'm done. And I like try walking off and he grabbed me and we talked it through. He walked me back to the facility and we had a good talk. And I guess that, I don't know if that, what that did, but that week I started and had like 10 tackles, had a sack, had a big stop on third down. Had a really good game. Do you remember what he said to change your mind to stay? Pretty much just stop being soft, like stop being a baby. That's just how we communicate. <laughs> we were just like two dudes, like two meatheads. We just got after every single day. And so pretty much in a, a clean version to stop being soft. And somehow he convinced me not to quit. Like I, I had it. I talked to my parents like weeks before. I'm like, I'm done this sucks. I hate it. Like, well, what were you going to do though if you quit? Not, nothing. No, I, I didn't play that far. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to quit and be a regular student. And he convinced me not to quit. And had a really good game. My first start, and then ended up splitting time with Tony Stewart the rest of the year, and then started again in the bowl game for Stefan because he got injected for a targeting call against South Carolina my sophomore year. So I got to start against Oklahoma in the Russell Athletic Bowl. Yes, and you had a great game. I had a pick six, had a really good game. And so it just like it's a good end of the year for me. Like it was cool because I was so stressed out like and so ready to be done. And in the way it did, and then my junior year finally getting to start, we just I, he was tough on me. I promise you, my first two years, you can ask anybody that was there, he was on my butt every day. And I broke. Then luckily he reeled me back in. And thank God, because I had the career I did. But ask him next time you see him. I promise yeah. you. Or any, of, any of, Kendall, ask Shuey, Stefan, Tony, any of those guys, Chad Smith, freaking Skowski. Why the hell Skowski? I think I was maybe a junior, maybe. I promise you. He, he was hard on you. The, out of any of his players, ask him. I promise you. Deep down, he knows he was. It was but, bad. I wonder if, though, do you think he, he knew, knew that, that he, he, knew, he, would, he knew. You could handle he it, He saw himself and me, the short, white guy, the try-hard white guy that didn't have a lot of opportunities that had to just freaking work and do extra because he was the same way. So I think he saw himself and me, 
and knew what my potential was and knew if he could just mold me and to be like the player that he was and the way he worked, that it would pay off. And he did. And it worked. Does so that motivate great. you when somebody challenges you or tells you you can't do something? I don't I've thought about it. We had, we had some, a meeting the other day and just trying to figure out what's better, constructive criticism, getting on somebody or, or praise. What works better when it comes to criticizing your player or your employee, chewing them down and breaking them down, or is that motivating more or just like, hey, like, hey, just giving them fake praise or whatever? And I don't know. I feel like I do better when I'm praised, honestly. I don't know what that means, if that makes me soft or some weird person, but like I noticed that when I was playing, like I was more motivated to, to continue to work hard and push myself and do extra after the games that I had a really good game. Like after the Louisville game, when I had national play of the week, I was in there watching film the whole next week. Like I want to do this again. Like I like it's paying off. Like I see how hard I'm working and I see in the fruit of my labor. I want to keep doing it. So when I played like just garbage games, freaking, um, I think it would have been uh, Syracuse my junior year, awful game, but worst game of my career. After that, I'm just like, I can't play football. I suck. <laughs> I'm not can't do any of this. I want to quit. So I, for me, I think I do better when I'm like after getting praised. So it was tough for me because when he would cuss me out every day, I'm just like, dude, it doesn't motivate me. I just pisses me off. I want to fight you. Like I literally want to coach V. I want to fight. Like I don't like that. <laughs> but that's just like it takes it. In. I had to adapt to his coaching style, and it worked. I guess I don't. Yes, I don't, I, I can handle to a certain both. degree. Yeah. yeah, I can handle both. You know, so I've dealing with Coach V. I can handle anything the way he coached me for four years, but I, I, I've dealt with both. So I don't really know what side to pick on. I know I just felt more motivated after like a good game or like getting a good. And you were getting praise. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means. And the accolades. I have no clue. I don't, I don't know if more people are the other way. I just noticed I was like I wanted to work harder after I knew I had a good game when I saw that like my labor paid off. Yes. You know? So I was like I need to keep doing this. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I mean. Yeah. That's a good, we brought it up a couple weeks ago, like trying to deal with our our employees. Like how yeah. should we? Well, I, I think you have to examine that it, now as a, as a business owner right. because you're going to be dealing with employees and you Some need people, to know how they respond. Right. And I, I think the the key is if you can identify which way right. is the motivation factor for those employees, you'll have a much better culture. So I had an experience when I was um, – my senior year, we had a freshman come in. I don't want to give any names, but I had a freshman come in. And by that, that time, it's four years in, Coach V's molding me. Like, I am, like, his – Coach V's offspring. Like, I am a miniature <laughs> version of him. And I was, like, the senior guy. I was obviously the vocal leader on the team. What I've said was, like, it was getting done. Like, y'all going to do this or I'm going to fight y'all. And one of our players was – one of our linebackers – was being just soft in the weight room. Like, wouldn't lift the heavy weight, but just being just, ugh. So I called him out and lost my mind on him. Like, because I was like, hey, you need to do, he were, we're like doing like a bench or something like stupid, like uh, this heavy weight. And he was like lifting just like some corner DB weight. And the dude's like, not a, not a small guy. He's strong too. So I'm like, what are you doing? 
just got into him like you need to do heavy weight like it's soft and he wouldn't do it so i lost my mind like cussed him out degraded him in front of everybody and literally started crying and ran off and so that just gave me more fuel like exactly that's, that's who you are you're being like a baby blah blah and he came and talked to me after he's like dude i don't do well when like you need to learn to approach me a different way. Like I don't respond to someone cussing me out and degrading me in front of everybody. So I had to take a step back as a leader and be like, all right, everyone's not me. Like everyone can't respond and be coached the same way that I've been coached because everyone's different. So it challenged me as a leader and having me step back and like, hey, I'm wrong. Like I, so I'd apologize. I get it, bro. Like we're good. I need to do better. And from that point on, like we got a great relationship. But we had to have that talk. And for me to realize, like, hey, everyone can't get cussed out, you know. And Coach V's learning that. But Coach V's just, like, always like, just <laughs> amped up, which is, like, he's – that's why he's been so successful because he is who he is. He has his DNA. He has his recipe, and it's worked. Um, but I think it's challenged him. when He probably challenged him when it really, he realized that, hey, I almost made a player quit because he's been so hard on me. Um, and he's real – obviously, he's a great leader. And he knows how to do a lot of stuff. But for me, in my perspective, I had to, especially four years in and just getting just my butt chewed, I had to realize, like, and, and with business now, like, everyone can't just be in their face screaming right. at them. You know, that's yeah. not how everyone operates. So. so, obviously, that shaped you, just being able yeah, to Yeah, as a leader, it definitely changed me and take a step back and be more patient with people. Obviously, there's some people that are just, like, like me, just meatheads and need, like, to get in their face, do better. And something that works that way. It worked with me, even though I was getting uh, acclimated to Coach B. But in the, the day, I, it, it, football wise, it helped me, you know. But on my end, I got to honestly be more patient because I'm dealing with a bunch of women in here. So you know, <laughs> I can't scream and cuss somebody out in the treadmill if they're not running fast enough. It's not, you don't have pads on here. So oh, you're motivating them. That, that, that's I'm all you're doing, right? I'm, I'm, it's a loud encouragement. Yes, sure. exactly. All right. So that obviously shaped you. How has sports shaped you? And, impacted your life and how, how can you sum that up sports have probably made me into the person i'm in the day especially clemson like my high school career was fun nfl sucked for me but sports that I, the, the football team at clemson that environment the lessons i learned from coach sweeney coach venables and being one of those guys in the locker room every day and getting to lead a group of freaking 80 90 young men it taught me how to be a leader, taught me how to manage a big group of people, and taught me how to work. And, and really, hey, you want to, this is what you want to be, this is the goals you want, the results you want, and then you just got to work. You know, especially if I wasn't gifted physically, so I had to just put my head down and get after it. And so those are probably two main things. Made me the leader I am today, and taught me about hard work. How much do you dwell on? Not making it in the NFL. Not at all. Did I you at any time? Nah, you care less. Depressed? Nah, uh, a little bit. I mean, a little bit. I don't, I don't know why. I thought, one, I thought I was going to get drafted. I thought I had a good enough career. I knew I was I'm six foot. I was 240 at the combine. I think I ran like a 478, which is like pretty average. Um, I, I think obviously teams knew that, but I was like, at the end of the day, like he is like, you can't deny that I didn't have a good career or that I, I wasn't a good football player because I had the career I did. Um, so when I didn't get drafted, it bumped, I was I was pretty pissed. Like I, I was here and I was going to be third or fourth round. I'm like, 
for sure that's where I was expected to be. And then for me to not go undrafted and not really have any other reason, any other reason why other than me being too short or too slow. Oh, dude, there's so many guys that are six foot running four sevens, four eights out there. They just get the right opportunity. So me not getting that, it kind of bummed me out a little bit because I, I felt like I'd pay my dues and I've put enough on tape that I earned a draft spot. So that bummed me out. And then I think I just picked the wrong spot with Carolina because obviously that locker room was just full. Like, Keekly, the man. I have a lot of respect for him. He, him being a $100 million dude and me being a freaking undrafted guy. And the amount of time he spent with me, like, after practice, trying to help me out, texting me. Luke Keekly's the man. Like, he's what he's advertised. He's awesome. Great leader, great teammate. He's just good people. And the rest of the locker room, or the linebacker room, was just full. Like it was just – they had their guys, and I don't think it really mattered how good I played. I, I, I thought I performed well, graded out well, and still got cut. And I was like, this sucks. This is, like, I, don't, I hate this. It's not fun. So then going to, Carolina, going to 49ers, that was garbage because got signed as a practice squad guy, and I'm just like, my NFL dream is not to play the practice squad. I'm not going to be a blocking dummy for the rest of my career. This is not it. So I was out there for like a week and a half. Peace squad. Ruben Foster gets hurt. I'm like, this is my chance. I'm about to get caught up. And literally the day he gets hurt and gets like on IR or something, uh, one of the Niners numbers called me. I'm like, let's go. My mom's picking her up from the airport and um, some family friends. They're coming down to spend the weekend in San Fran. They call me, hey, we're releasing you. As I'm picking my mom and her friends up from the airport, and I was just like so blown. I was like, I just, I, and three hours before, I just got an apartment, just signed a lease for like four grand, like as a down payment. Picked them up, and I literally just laid back, and they're getting in the car. Like as they were opening the door, I got the call. It was pretty funny, crazy things. And I was like, y'all are never going to believe what just happened. And they're like, what? Like, did you just get caught up? And I was like, no, I just got fired. And uh, <laughs> we, it, I was bummed, but like, I, did, I did not like San Fran. Like, I'm not a California guy. I am South Carolina through and through. Yeah, you're a South Carolina and guy. It was the desert. And it's, you're not even in San Fran. You're like an hour from San Fran. You're in San Jose, which is just like just desert. So I cut, spent the whole week out there. I was just like, screw this. I wanted to, they gave me a solid uh, signing bonus to come out there. Freaking lucky spent that in a week out there just having fun <laughs> with my mom. And um, by that point, I was just so burnt that I had like three more tryouts with like the Jaguars, the Bengals, and the Steelers, I believe. And while I was doing those tryouts, I was like, didn't I? Like, I was so, I didn't want to be there so bad that I was like, I didn't like try hard. That's how miserable I was. So I'd go there and I'm like, and I'm not the type to not run through drills or not give 100% effort. I was like purposely like dropping balls, like not running through drills because I just didn't like I didn't want to be in Pittsburgh or Cincinnati on a P squad. That's not fun. Like that's like the money's good, but like I wasn't playing the game for money. You know, I wanted to be happy and make an impact on my team, actually play real football, not be a blocking dummy. That sucks. So I like purposely would like mess up in the Tryouts, so they wouldn't sign me because you knew that I your heart wasn't it. in yeah, it. Yeah, I was over it. So then they'd go in time there. Time to move on. And, like, and would, the only time that I'd be happy while I was there is when they told me they weren't hiring me. I was like, it was such a relief. And I was like, thank God. Like, I don't want to be in Jacksonville, which is like a cool city, but like 
I'm South Carolina through and through. So I did those three tryouts. And by that point, I think the last one we did, I did was Jacksonville. My knee was actually kind of hurt too from just working out too hard. And I think I ran a 40 hurt knee. It was garbage. Like probably the slowest I've ever ran. I didn't care though. So I left there, called my agent. And I was like, tell everyone else, if they want to sign me, I'm hurt. I'm, 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 I don't want to tell them I'm quitting, but I just like tell them I'm injured and I can't come. And he's like, well, I was actually about to tell you, Miami wants you to come down and try out as a fullback. I was like, I'm done, dude. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fullback. I'm not a linebacker. Fullback. Like, what do they – Oh, he's a short white guy. He can just – I'm a linebacker. So that's what they want me to tell him. I'm not def, – Miami, I'm not coming. But everyone else, like, tell him I'm hurt, and then hopefully I'll do the, the flame will just slowly dwindle and I'll just fall off the radar. So I told him that. Literally the next day, I called Marcus. I'm like, hey, let's start a gym. And – because that would have been, like, November of 2017. And then the next day I called Marcus. Marcus was chilling. Like, we were both training for the NFL, and – weren't getting any more calls he was like dude let's do it so and it was born and the junkyard right and, and the here junkyard. we go we are unique we yeah. are uncommon we junkyard. are the junkyard this is it yep so but I, I wasn't bummed i was so over it and i just peace squad is not the football dream for me and it's not for a lot of guys but a lot of guys don't have a plan b and luckily i had a plan b that i've always wanted to do and had the resources to be able to to accomplish those things and the right people that want to be a part of it too. So yeah, that helps done, tremendously. Having a plan B helps. And a lot of guys don't realize like, um, if plan A don't work, I'm going to find a way to make plan A still work. I'm like, that's not how it is, dude. Like I had a really good career. I feel like, and I didn't get any chance. I had a chance, but I just, it didn't work out. I had, I had a blip on the radar of a chance in the NFL, but in the day I'm so much more happy now. Like, so, cause I'm just like, in control of my destiny, pretty much. With football and NFL, I can't every day walking into work. I was so stressed. I'm like, I don't. They're gonna fire me at any point, and I can't control that stuff. Like, what if if one of their left tackles gets hurt? They have to. They have to sign a left tackle. I'm the bottom of the radar. I'm gonna have to get cut regardless how I'm playing. I can't control that. You know, with this, I can control the relationship to build. I can control this product, and I can control the the culture and really our team as our staff and mold them on how I was molded. And so far it's worked. I love it. Two years in, it's worked. Um, I want to obviously keep just putting my head down and going to work. But in the day, I, I control this. Yes. I control how hard I work. I can control the result. And that's, that's what makes me happy. Yeah. You know? Well, it does. Well, I, I'm anxious to – try it out i've got to come here and do a got class now. right so what's got your prediction now. though when i try it out so about uh, in the numbers 65 percent of people their first time walk out throw up <laughs> or just go to the bathroom at some point because they have to do one or the other and there's 35 percent that finish but it's uh it is it it's it's cool because you can obviously go at your own pace. I try to like run my mouth. That's awful. But it's, my mom does the class every day. She's like 57. She's lost 80 pounds. Wow. So it's cool because you can go at your own pace. I can be on a treadmill running at 12 miles per hour, and she could be at three. And as long as you don't care and not, not embarrassed by that because we don't care. I tell everybody, hey, you have these different ranges you need to be in, but remember like you're 
range and your pace is different than the person beside you. So like, don't be, if someone's running at 12, no one cares. As long as you're pushing yourself to what you can do, that's all we want. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather have people that are in here that are running at three and four, but are going balls to the wall than somebody that's running at 12 and just doesn't care. People that are running at three or four, like actually like, want to be better and like want to challenge themselves. And they might run at three or four, but that's what they got. And you could tell like about a month, two months in, those people running at three or four are pushing seven to eight and it's making an impact in their life. Yeah, you got to, you know? I know you got to love seeing the progression. It's so, it's so cool. So my mom losing 70 pounds and her being like, almost, almost 60 and her just getting after it in these classes. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, now it's pretty, I'm motivated. You're yeah. calling me out. Not yeah, saying you're, you're 60. Like I got to get here, man. <laughs> but people get scared because they see all like, our social media stuff and how just like loud and fast paced it is. And they really know if you just show up, like everyone's here normal. We don't we don't expect you to run at 12. We can't run at 12. I'll get smoked and run at 12. <laughs> but hey, go at your own pace, but push yourself. That's all we want, you know? And that's the people we want. And that's what we've done so far. And. We built a cool culture on that. Just people who are just normal folk that just want to just get after it and put their head down at work. Yeah. I did for four years at Clemson. So I love it. Push that onto the regular people in, in the business world. Yes, sir. Well, Ben, thank you so much, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Understanding the importance of relationships is the first step to building a winning culture. And as Ben learned, you also have to understand that we as humans are all different and need different forms of motivation. And when that motivation turns to inspiration, then you know you're creating culture and community. And yes, I did try out a class at the junkyard and it kicked my ass, but I loved it. And trust me, it's going to kick your ass as well, but you will love it because of the community. Now that finishes episode 140, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.